So in the beginning, in Genesis, we see that God created the heavens and the earth, and he created everything that we see, everything that we know. He got to mankind, created man and woman, and he said it was good. He said they were good. He had created them. Everything was, was perfect. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was, it was all right. It was in place. But then there was a time in, in Scripture that we see what we often commonly refer to as the fall. It's a time where we think about Adam and Eve, and you see Adam and Eve at one point standing in front of this tree. The one thing that they weren't supposed to do in taking of the fruit of that tree and eating it. And that one simple act in disobedience to God brought sin into the world. Brought sin into the world and it caused, and sin it has this compounding effect if you, if you think through it. I don't know if anybody's ever seen kind of the movie Fargo. Anybody ever seen that? Yeah, where it's just like one thing, it just gets deeper and deeper and darker and darker, and it's like the biggest mess that you could possibly imagine. It all started with that act of disobedience. Sin came into the world, and we see in Genesis chapter 3 that, that God actually takes Adam and Eve, and he, he banishes them from the garden. He, he takes them out of the garden, and it says that he puts a an angel there, cherubim, with, with flaming swords guarding the way to the tree of life. And it says that it was guarded so that they wouldn't... I actually want to read it here. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 22, it says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil, now lest he, t- he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat... And live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. The tree of life was guarded because at this point, the the number one thing that God did not want to happen to mankind is for them to be in that sinful condition forever. And so they were guarded, they were prevented from eating from that tree of life and being in that sinful condition. God set a motion, God put a put in a motion, I can't say it, talk this morning. God put a plan in motion that culminated in, in Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins. This morning what we're going to talk about today is that, you know, we've been talking about who we are as a church, who is, who is real life. And really, this is the, the biggest foundational point of who we are. We do want to be a, a church that's full of truth and, and grace. We want to be a church that's, not, that's full of love and, and not judgment. We want to be all these things we've talked about. But the biggest thing that we need to understand is that we are a church that is reaching out. Okay? Reaching out to help others to share the truth of Christ. But in order for us to understand that today, and we're going to kind of go old school and we're just going to look at some scriptures and we're just going to hang on them as if it was kind of Sunday school together. Can we have Sunday school together this morning? Is that cool? We don't normally have Sunday school, so we can we can have some Sunday school here this morning, all right? And so it all started with obviously as we said the, the garden of Eden. Sin came into the world and, and sin had a an effect on, on all of mankind and the scripture says all of the earth, just everything was messed up. 
because of sin's entrance in the world. I want us to look at a couple of passages that kind of spell that out. And if you have your, your Bible, you can turn there. If you have your phone, you can Google or you can pull up the, the Bible app to really highly encourage you all to do. We're going to take a look at Romans to begin with. We'll just take a, a look at chapter 3. Chapter 3, this is kind of part of what some of you old schoolers would know as the Romans Road. The Romans Road. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? I know you have, David. Okay, there's two of us. Three of us. You have. Okay. All right, cool. In Romans chapter 3, we look at verse 23. It says this. It says, for all have what? If you're there, what? All have sinned. Everybody's sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. All have fallen short of God's glory. They don't measure up to what? Perfection. And we actually have talked about this over the last couple of weeks when when we talk about the reason for offering grace and love and realizing that no one's sin is greater than ours, that we are literally all in the same boat. Every person on this planet has sinned. And we don't really have to argue that fact. I I know that if I even tried, Diane is right there, and I would just be a complete liar. She knows the sins in my life. You know the sins in your life. We've all sinned, all of us. So that's an issue. That's a problem. Keep turning the page or the flip the the page there, punch in some new buttons, and turn to Romans 6, 23. This has always been a, a great verse because it kind of is, is helpful in sharing the truth about Jesus with others. In Romans 6, 23, it kind of lays it out pretty clearly. It says, for the, for the wages of sin is what? The wages of sin is death. You think about wages, we're not really used to thinking about it in this context, but it helps us to understand wages is something you work for, or the result of, you know, your work during the week, you get a paycheck, right? And you always wish that paycheck was bigger, and it's not, you know. It's never big enough. But the wages of sin, sin leads somewhere. It leads to a certain direction, which is what the wages of sin is. It's death. It's darkness. It's death. The, the ultimate aspect when we think about death, as some people would call it, would be spiritual death, would be eternal separation from God. Because a dead spirit, essentially, that's what it's talking about, that's what that boils down to, is separation from God. I don't want to spend any part of my life away from God. Because God is literally the one who, it says in Scripture, uh, when we look at Adam, He formed him out of the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into him. We see in in the book of Psalms, it says that he knit us together in our mother's womb. He's the one that's responsible for making us, for giving us life, for making everything that we see. He's the, the grand creator of the universe. To spend any part of life Without God is, is just doesn't make sense. There is no life without God. There is no hope without God. There's no love without God. There's no joy. None of those things without Him. If, so if we consider 
sin, if we consider this problem, let's take another look. Let's uh, turn to James. We're gonna, like I said, we're going to be flipping all over the place today. Let's have some fun with it here. James chapter 1. Kind of see another picture, of, one final picture of, of, uh, of this sin, just to give you another place to see it here. In James chapter 1, we're going to back up a little bit and look at verse 12. And it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But then it kind of describes this cycle of sin, this issue we're talking about. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. Right? We have this, you picture the, you know, this, this temptation. You kind of, you know, if you're on a diet, all right, and, and you know that there's one thing that you have to avoid at all costs, is probably one of those things is going to be cheesecake. But I love cheesecake right? You know, and you go into some of these restaurants and you walk past those cases, those glass cases, you know, I see you smiling, you know what I'm talking about, right? Where the cakes are like this tall, you know, and you're like, wow, that looks really good. All you have to do is take one look at that cheesecake and it's in the head, you know? But when temptation, it says, gives birth or it's conceived, then it leads to sin. I'm buying a slice, and you're in the middle of it, and then it's always like at the end, you hate yourself. Have you been there? Anybody tell me? If you've been on a diet, right? You've been at that point, and at the end of it, you're like, yeah, yeah, yesterday. You know that, and you're like, what have I done? Now, this is just a food example. In life, obviously, it's much worse when it comes to relationships. But it says this, each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. When desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It's a, it's a, it's a steady trail. But the point that, we're, that I'm trying to make this morning is, is this is an issue for every person on this planet. If our name as a church is real life, we certainly don't want people to be walking in death, to experience death, to taste of sin and death, and all the garbage that sin offers. We're about life. And there is only one source for life, and that's God. And so the, the biggest core aspect of who we are as a church is that we're always wanting to lead people to life, to God, to Jesus. And we're going to look at some, some scriptures here that spell that out. If we want to think old school, we can use the term evangelism, okay? But an evangelist, evangelism, evangelistic person, is it's all about sharing good news. You like hearing good news? Anybody? Yeah. Has anybody got any good news lately? I'm just curious. Now is your chance to share. You weighed yourself, and it was good news. All right, dude, that's awesome. Down 30 pounds, that's huge good news. Yeah, man, absolutely, that's great. We should be about sharing 
the good news of what the Bible teaches, because here's, here's the great thing, and we're going to look at this, right, is that no matter what you've done, right, no matter what way you've messed up, no matter how little or how big, again, little and big are, are not in Scripture, right, but no matter what you've done is that Jesus says, I want a relationship with you. I went to die on the cross. I took all of the bad stuff, if you will, on me. So that we could have a relationship together. You could be forgiven of your sin. You could have a relationship with the God of the universe. That's incredible. That's good news to know that you can be forgiven. That the old life can be taken away. And we kind of think we experience that sometimes in relationships, but it always comes back up, doesn't it, sometimes, right? That record in, from the past. Well, I remember when you did such and such. Well, I thought you forgave me. Ah, but it's still there. But with God, it's real. Forgiveness is real. The old is gone. The new has come. Let's look at some passages to kind of see that and, and, and understand that, understand that today. Let's go ahead and just turn to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5.17, which is what I was just referring to. This is the most recent passage we were looking at just last week. Let's go ahead and go there. We can start there. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says this. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that he is a, a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And it says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. He reconciled us. Again, think about that word. Let's not let this stuff just wash over too quickly today. What's reconciliation? Right? you got two parties that are that are in opposition to each other over something. But yet they're reconciled. The relationship is restored, right? Whatever finally had, had whatever happened in the past is finally forgiven. It's truly water under the bridge. It's gone. Reconciliation. So it says that all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. What's funny is, is this reconciliation, as we said, the person who made the first move was the one who never, ever did anything wrong. Jesus, who died, he literally gave his life. He's the one that stepped up, even though he never did anything wrong. So, reconciliation, it says he, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, another big word for sin, right, against them, and then entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and it says that he has given us that message of reconciliation to go out and to tell others that good news. Hey, guess what? Number one, God loves you. That's huge. God loves you. How can he love me? Well, he, he, gave, he loves you so much, he literally gave his very life. 
That's huge. And he's given us that message. Therefore, it says, we are ambassadors, this is in verse 20, for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you catch that? Sometimes we have to slow down, read Scripture a little bit slower. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took all of our sin, all of the world's sin, past, present, future, upon him. At that moment in time, it's incredible. So that we could be considered righteous and holy. Not because of anything we did, but because Jesus is righteous and holy. This is a silly way to remember it, but it's almost like, you know, if, if, we've, if we've sinned, it's, it's got, you've got to be perfect on the test, so to speak. If, if you get one answer wrong, thinking about school, right, you, know what? you get an F. It's pass-fail, right? It's one of those things. And the thing is, is that, that Jesus has a perfect report card. Never, ever did anything wrong, got anything wrong. It's like a little swap has taken place. And we had a photocopier. Everybody has said, you know what, Jesus, I'm uh, um, giving my life to you. I'm following you. Here, here, take a copy, take a copy. We have the righteousness of Jesus. I know it's kind of a simplistic example. But that's, that's what we're saying here. Because of Jesus, we have his righteousness, his, his goodness because of him. That's huge. Okay, so great passage of Scripture. The, here, here's the thing, understanding that truth, that we can be forgiven, that God loves us, that the old life is gone, the new life has come, that's good stuff. That's really good news. And the thing is, is that what we have to be about as a church is, is sharing that. And I want us to kind of talk about that a little bit today and look at what Scripture has to say about that as well. We're going to look at some of the most basic things. Let's look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is, anybody know what this is typically called? It is in the New Testament. Thank you, Justin. That is, that is foundational. What's that? The Great Commission. All right, very good. Again, I said this is Sunday school, so you can get to talk. Jesus, God, right. I'll let you pull out the squirrel illustration. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this. Is everybody there? Hold up your phones, your Bible, if you got it. Sweet. This is great. All right. 28, 18, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, not just Colombia, the entire world, the entire planet, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them 
to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So go, make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is, is a follower, okay? Follower, in this case, of Jesus. It's, it's part of, uh, and to follow Jesus, that relationship has to be reconciled, okay? Be, go everywhere and tell people about Jesus. Make disciples, those that follow him, baptizing them, it says, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, when you think of baptism, what comes to your mind? Just This is the Sunday school, so, you know, tell me what comes to your mind. Quick, just tell me. Just don't think about it. Water? Okay, what else? Okay? Washing? Entering? Okay? You know... The first picture typically I think we probably see when you think of baptism is like a, a literal baptism, right? When you see someone and you're dunking them underwater and you're pulling them back up. But baptism, and, and the, the actual word here, and there's disagreement among theologians, it doesn't matter, but it means to immerse, okay? To, to in this case, to take, and I've shared this before, to take a white piece of cloth and to submerge it completely into purple dye, for example, and to pull it back out, and that cloth is completely different. It's no longer white. It's purple. It's been baptized, if you will, into that purple stuff. Now, if you're baptized, then think about it, into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you're baptized into God, if you will, and pulled back out, what do you look like? The blue man group, thank you. <laughs> and, and the color was purple, by the way, so nice try. But you get catch my drift in some mysterious way. You are different. You are changed. You are you just decided to follow Jesus and you're baptized into him. There's a there's a change that comes over you, in you, through you, every aspect of who you are. Because you the old life is gone, the new life has come. There's a change there. There's a difference. There's a becoming brand new. And so when he says to go and to make disciples, baptizing them, and then teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, it's, we're, we're supposed to be people that are going out and sharing this great news that God loves you, God forgives you, He will change your stinking life. Who doesn't want that? You know, if you understand what it really is, is reconnecting with the God who made everything, the one who knows how it all ticks, the one who put everything together, then it only makes sense. You know, if, if, if you're, you're trying to figure it out your own way, you realize how silly that really is, how much you can really mess it up. You know, it's funny, you know, we, we don't need directions until we get lost. You know, I, I had installed a new radio in my car. And, you know, I took out the factory radio because I couldn't plug it into my phone anymore. I didn't have an auxiliary cord. I didn't have a Bluetooth connection. And I had this old tape deck that had a tape and a cord to it. You've seen one of these. You could plug it into your phone, listen to your tunes or whatever. Is anybody relating to this at all? Okay. The problem is, is that the tape would go in. You'd think, all right, good. 
and they come back out. They go in, come back out. They go in, come back out. So it was like there's no listening to music. I got frustrated, ordered a radio, and this little sleeve type thing. And being Mr. Do-It-Yourself, I was like, I'm going to save, you know, like $200 probably just on installation alone to put in my own radio. By the way, it's in. It's working. Okay. But the process I thought was going to be really simple, you know. And then the next thing you know, there, I have like 20 different cords that look like Medusa all over the kitchen counter trying to put these things together. I couldn't do it on my own. I needed direction. I needed direction from the creators of this radio that says orange goes to this one and blue goes to this one and to this one. And this is how you put it in. And even, you know, thinking that I knew what I was talking about, I still don't have AM. I do have FM radio. So it's not completely right I need the creators to come and to say, no, you bonehead, this is how you do it when we do things on our own. We don't, we don't know what we're talking about. We need to know the creator and not just us, right? Everybody does. There's a, there's a world full of people that have become disconnected, that are living a life that with sin in their life, again, it leads, it's, it's not that, hey, shame on you, you're sinning and blah, blah, blah. It's sin in your life just naturally leads to death. That's what it does. It's hurtful. You know, if you continue to, um, this is just kind of the nature of things, if you continue to eat nothing but hamburgers every day, you will, it'll lead to what? Yeah, I don't know which order, right? Obesity, certainly. Heart disease, I heard heart attack. And then heart attack leads to what? Death. Did you say glory? Okay. <laughs> I enjoyed my hamburgers, and now I'm dying for it. Um, but so we, we, as a church, as real-life church, need to be sharing that good news, about Jesus, okay? So we have the Great Commission, all right? Uh, let's look at 1 Peter 3.15, and we're going to, I'm going to jump around a little bit quicker because I'm realizing the time here. 1 Peter 3.15. You guys with the phones are cheaters, just saying. Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. All right, 1 Peter 3.15. I need to move faster. Who wants to stand up and read that? This is, again, this is Sunday school this morning. Go ahead, man. All right. What version is that? ASV. Okay. Who else has a different version? That's good, but I like I want to hear more of a modern. Go ahead. All right, cool, cool, cool. 
Thank y'all. What's it saying? Certainly to honor Christ, but in what way? Be able to tell what God did for you. Be able at any moment, someone ever, someone ever come up to you and say, there's something different about you. And we're not talking about your hair or your new nails or your new wardrobe or your haircut or never, never a driver. <laughs> we have to be prepared to give a reason for why we follow Jesus, for the hope of Christ. Why do you follow him? Why do you serve him? You know, are, do you feel like you can just talk about it? And, and sometimes we feel really kind of bound up about it. We, we, we make it really, really complicated. We become very, very fearful about it. Um, there's a really key thing I think is cool here. It says when you do talk to somebody about Jesus, to do it with what? Did you catch that? Gentleness. And what was the other word? A respect. Gentleness and respect. That part, I think, often is left out, isn't it? If people would hear about Jesus with gentleness and respect, might be a lot, conversations might go a whole lot differently, don't you think? And there's been a lot of that without gentleness and respect that, so now when you, it seems like you talk about Jesus at all, everyone's like automatically the wall goes up, you know, talk to the hand kind of thing. We'll come back to that. Great, great passage, though, okay? Romans 1.16. I'm going to actually get you guys to, to read these because you're faster than me flipping, okay? Romans 1.16. If you've got it memorized, then I guess you could just stand up and spout it out. Beth has this one memorized, I'm sure. <laughs> Romans 1.16. Who's got it? Someone besides Eric. Eric, I already called on Eric. ESV is the one I normally use. That's probably what got you confused. Go ahead, Justin. So what? Not ashamed of the gospel. You ever feel kind of, you ever feel that way? Is anybody going to be honest this morning? So it says that I'm not ashamed. Thank you, Eric. I'm not ashamed for what reason? Second half of what Justin read. It's the power of God for what? For salvation. The thing is that at some point, right, we have to, to get over the fears. We have to get over our history even. You know, because what we're dealing with here is the power of God to change lives. Realizing how big that is, how important that is, 
at some point we've got to we have to move forward and what my hope is for us as real life church is that we are a church who shares the truth of God but with gentleness and respect and so when the outside world even they say they they might completely disagree with us they might be atheists they might be agnostic they might be satanists for all I care but they look at us and say you know what those people love Jesus and when I talk to them they treat me with gentleness gentleness and respect they treat me they, they love me which is really weird because they don't believe what they believe and it seems like you can't get along in today's culture unless you believe the same thing right Unless we're politically on the same side of the aisle, unless we both believe this and both believe, we can't get along, right? But that's not the case. These people, they, they love me because God loves me. It says that, can anybody quote John 3.16 this morning in Sunday school class? Somebody tell me what John 3.16 says. You can say it in whatever version you've memorized it in. You're afraid to, like, stumble. I don't care. Just say it. Who's got it? Key, key, key part of that, God what? God loves not just us. He loves who? The world. And he wants to give us what? What's everlasting life? That's pretty simple when it comes to talking about Jesus. Hey, did you know God loves you and he wants to give you life? Everlasting. doesn't go away. stays all the time. You start breaking down what life is. We're talking about hope. We're talking about joy. We're talking about, about, about real life, which, again, goes to our name, right? I'm not ashamed because there's, there's power there, and I'm going to be done in five minutes somehow, I promise, Okay? Let's look at Acts 1.8. No, skip that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1.17. You can change up real quick. You've got technology. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. Is everybody there? This is an interesting passage because Paul, the guy who God used to write the majority of the New Testament, says this. Who wants to read it for me? Who's got it? Diane, you're ready, right? Not, it says, in cleverness of speech. In the version that I have in ESV, it's really cool because it says, not with words of eloquent wisdom. Isn't that encouraging? That if you're, you're, you're going to try to tell somebody about the truth of God, the good news, it's not about you being eloquent. It's not about you being a grand speaker. It's, it's not about your ability to argue. It's not about your ability to... To, to share the, the exact 
words, it says, and not with words of eloquent wisdom. I love this. Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Jesus is not relying upon you to have grandiose words. He's not. Here's the thing that I want you to walk away with today when, it talk, when you talk about sharing good news with people. The first thing is, is that, is that simply evangelism, if you will, sharing the good news is participating. I want you, I want you to catch this. This comes out of a, a book called Good News for a Change, by the way. I have to give credit to that. Evangelism is participating with the Holy Spirit to tell people about God and His love for them and to invite them into a relationship with Him. It's participating with the Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit? It's God, okay? God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But what the Holy Spirit does is He, the Bible says that God essentially draws people to Him. He gets their attention. And because God is the one that does that, all we have to do is, is rely upon God, to trust in God, that when we talk to somebody, that God himself is going to be the one that kind of catches their attention. You are not salespeople, okay? You're, you're, you're not college professors that are trying to, to jump in and change somebody's mind. It's about the power of God. I love this because this is really freeing. It says, this is from this book as well. I, I think this is cool. It says, the good news about evangelism is, catch this, you ready? If you are doing it at all, you're doing it right. Did you catch that? If you're doing it at all, you're doing it right. Because God picks up our slack. We trust that God is the one who works in people's lives. So if you're doing it at all, then you're doing it right. Isn't that a huge relief? But the problem is, is that none of, some of, sometimes we're not doing it at all. We've, we've fallen into that, that, that fear. I don't know if fear is the right word, but that, you know, that if we talk about Jesus, we're going to lose friends. You know? Because, you know, all I know about Christians is that they're hateful people and they're, they're not welcoming and they're, you know, fill in the blanks and use some of those blanks, right? You know what I'm saying? But if you're doing it at all, you're doing it right. Just, it's, it's amazing how simple it is. You just talk and and God will give you words you're not trying to convince you're not trying to sell anything you know if, if something if it's already good news good news God loves you you start there you know you think you might be able to uh, if it comes up or even if you were intentional about it tell someone that God loves them that's just horrible. I can't tell anybody that God loves them. Who doesn't want to hear that? You'd be surprised even people that don't know God or atheists even sometimes. Like, you can say, hey, can I pray for you about something? People, like, don't reject prayer. Something about that. I don't know. So just thinking about that just kind of popped in my head. But 
can you share that God loves you? Okay? You just never know where these conversations are going to go, but are you having one? Understanding that, the, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, right? Because it's the power of God for lives to be changed. Remember, you know, where you used to be. Consider a life without God in it. I, I can't. I can't conceive that. I don't want to conceive that. It seems so natural, I think, to us. We have a relationship with God, with the creator of the universe. And it makes sense because he made everything. He knows it all. It's, it just, it's logical even. Are we, are we doing it at all? Are we trying at all? Is there, is there, is there any effort? Because it's not about your words. It's not about your ability to convince anybody of anything. It's about sharing the love of Christ with others and being open to having those conversations. If we are, uh, in other words, my point this morning in, in being real life church, one of our core beliefs is that we need to share good news. Because we can love them up, up, upside and down ways, but, we, but if they don't know the truth, if, if they don't know about Jesus, that's, that's the number one need, right? That's foundational. Is anybody with me this morning at all? Yeah, maybe? Okay. If you're doing it at all, you're doing it right. I like that. You stand with me and let's let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are we're so um, thankful um, that 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 we're that we're saved, that we know you, that you've forgiven us, Lord, that um, you love us, you care for us. That's that's amazing news. And Lord, I um, I pray that you would that you would use us to help other people, that you would use us to share about your love, your grace, your forgiveness, Lord, the changing power of your spirit. Lord, help us to just simply have those kinds of conversations and to trust you. Help us to participate with you in what you're already doing in the lives of people. Lord, our name is, you've given us the name Real Life. Lord, help us to share real life with people. Lord, we're so thankful um, for your love and your grace. We thank you for this time together today. Lord, I'm thankful, um, <laughs> Lord, that even as simple of a, a, a preacher that I am, Lord, that you do the work. And, Lord, we, we trust in you. Thank you so much for today, for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.